Backed empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Backed to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty, and rewards points and gift cards. Go to backedbakkt.com and start treating your digital assets just like cash. I'd like to also thank Kraken. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit kraken.com scoop to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And today, joining us on the other side of the mic is Kanav Korea, President of Jump Crypto. This has been an episode we've been very excited about here at The Block. Thanks for joining, Mr. President. Do people call you Mr. President at the firm? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Frank. Uh, it's, it's, it's really good to be here. Yeah, no, I, I haven't earned that honor quite yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start asking that people do. Now that you're going to get the scoop bump, hopefully that will come to fruition. <laughs> so, you know, let's go through the history a little bit. It was it was announced a few months ago that you were kind of taking over the crypto business, which obviously has been a key part of Jump Story for the past half decade, let's say. Walk us through sort of that decision. We've talked about it, you and I, in the past, and we've written about it on the blockcrypto.com, but but let's give uh, the audience an opportunity to hear it directly from your mouth. Yeah, uh, you know, Frank, I had the great fortune of being an intern at Jump back when the crypto effort was just a skunkworks project at the University of Illinois. You know, the space has grown dramatically since you know our efforts have, and uh, you know, through that course, I've had the the ability to wear a number of hats on the crypto team here. So starting as a developer, I want to give the audience the timeline. There, you started as an intern for Jump in 2018, right? 2017 in January. 2017. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And now president of the group. Anyway, continue with the with the history. <laughs> I started as a developer, when I went on to be a quant, and then worked in uh, various sales, uh, business development, and trading capacities. And you know that's now culminated in my appointment as president. Uh, where, you know, as someone that's deeply very crypto native, you know, I'm responsible for you know, really understanding and digesting all our strengths and then translating that into a strategy that positions us well with the, the ethos and the vision that this crypto movement is, is, is going towards. And so for folks who don't know, right, most of a lot of what you guys have done historically is in trading, market making. You do this in the crypto world and across a number of different assets. Walk us through the scope of what Jump Crypto is, because it's not just trading and market making. There's a number of other initiatives at the firm. You guys are building at the blockchain level. What else is going on under the hood? Yeah, that's exactly right, Frank. And so, you know, Jump Trading is you know well known for being one of the largest quant trading firms in the world. 
and you know trading was the entryway and you know the the first step into our participation in crypto but our involvement has gotten much deeper since we're very involved and a big focus for the crypto team is in translating jumps strengths in systems engineering in mechanism design and you know the experience of battling in the markets for the last two decades to helping build and design infrastructure and tooling for you know crypto projects so mm-hmm. you know an example of that has been our involvement in the pit network which is an oracle project bringing high fidelity fast financial data straight from the source to the chain you know another one has been our involvement in the wormhole network which is interoperability protocol between heterogeneous chains that's facilitating you know kind of generic communication a lot of that is in you know translating the engineering work that we've done in building trading systems and bridging that over to building you know tooling and contributing to these open crypto repositories you know you'll see us active on governance forums like the ones on terra and on solana opining on all aspects of uh, parameters relating to the peg or on technical matters related to consensus and uh, you know while market making and providing liquidity to the crypto markets continues to be a big focus you know we're stepping more and more into and almost as, as a bigger focus into building in crypto that's pretty interesting the idea of participating in governance or rather the action of participating in governance is something that maybe doesn't necessarily have a parallel for jump on the equity side you know you're not participating in in shareholder meetings or something akin to that how have you been able to position the firm to actively and proactively engage with governance in a way that's constructive yeah uh you know i think that most people i think don't really understand about corn trading firms is that they really technology and research organizations that are using those muscles to participate in the markets and when it came to crypto a lot of the folks that are building projects in the space don't really come from the markets or you know have a background in the places we do and so when we were able to make a lot of early investments and get aligned we found a lot of opportunities to translate those trends into advice and governance to these projects and in the you know as as we've all learned in the crypto world everything is community driven and uh, you know sharing opinions and our feedback bilaterally is not close to as constructive as doing it in an open forum and engaging with feedback and with discussion and it's been a cultural shift for us here to jump to start being more outspoken and engaging more publicly but it's one that you know we believe was appropriate for our involvement in the space i'm trying to find the tweet i put out about you joining the show but i tweet so much it's it's impossible <laughs> to find i'm looking right now oh here it is you guys have obviously been you know very active in the space you have billions of dollars at least deployed across the space whether it's the investments you've maybe made the tokens you guys hold perhaps so the operation is fairly sizable how do you anticipate expanding that out where's the growth opportunities for the firm yeah um you know as as liquidity providers in crypto market structure is quite unique here and that everything kind of needs to be fully funded at each of the exchange venues that we're engaging with uh so you know a big part of capital deployment or at least a portion of it continues to be involved there in providing liquidity to markets uh but a bigger and bigger portion and you know probably the more sizable portion at this point is in allocating ecosystem investments as you were mentioning a big part of that is motivated by the efforts that we're engaging in as builders and so when we're building in new on new layer ones on new platforms and around different pieces of tooling uh, you, you you mentioned peter you know who's a who's a 
close friend and colleague on the trading side we don't really position ourselves as a venture firm uh, though we do have the sister jump capital arm and so for us investments are only made in so far as they're solving needs that we have here at the firm or they're building in the ecosystems that we're very involved in or building on top of tooling that we're, we're interfacing with and so you know you'll be making more and more investments in interoperability inspired off of the wormhole uh, we make lots of investments in the terra and solana ecosystems as projects that we've been very deeply involved in you know a big focus for us recently is evaluating infrastructure plays the you know there've been a number of firms in that space that have uh, spun up kind of offerings around rpc nodes and validation and tooling but you know there's a lot of room for growth and differentiation there as really an entry way for people to interact with chains and so you know we recently making a, a lot of bets in that space and that's also been informed by our acquisition of the certus one team that was an infrastructure company out of uh, berlin and so expect that our investments and our involvements will continue to be inspired off of the opportunities that we see while building and interacting with these markets in in a more operational capacity. This is a hard-hitting question, but I think it's an important one asked by Will Hennessy on Twitter, which is whose mustache would win in a fight? <laughs> I think it's an important question. I think market participants across the space have been wondering. I'm going to settle for a draw, but I I don't know, you might have a different take. Yeah, well, this might be a, a marketing <laughs> comment here, but um, no, I. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this so, is some. Ser- this is a serious alpha drop. So dropping the alpha here, uh, you know, I I think your mustache uh, has definitely been one of the leading inspirations here, and you know, inspired you. me to suffer through about twelve months of pain and, and embarrassment while while I grew this one out. So it's well, it's ready for it's ready for the prime time, and spotlight. I appreciate that. He had a follow up question, which is actually good. I think that was just his joke question, but he's asking about how you guys view automated market makers. It's a really interesting question. We've seen, we've reported about Robinhood exploring how they can integrate that into their systems. I'm sure a number of other brokerages and retail trading aggregators are looking at similar things. They route these orders out to trading firms to internalize for them. Is this something you're seeing? Are you seeing demand? You don't have to name a specific firm, but are brokers looking at possibly AMM models for liquidity? And is it something that you guys are engaging with? Are you, you know, obviously you're trading in DeFi. What does it look like on the AMM side? Yeah, um, you know, AMMs have been a really interesting and exciting innovation over the last few years. they are really good tools for bootstrapping liquidity on tail assets where there isn't a lot of professional pricing and they're especially really strong where there are resource constrained environments like the ethereum blockchain where you know you're able to just simply move alongside the curve and perennially ensure that there is a price which is quite powerful the amms especially you know the, the the early ones like the uniswap and you know a lot of the other clever constructions that have that have arisen allow you to express only very specific views so right when you deposit capital to an amm and you're following this curve on uniswap v2 for example you're expressing the view that you believe that these assets are highly correlated and you know that's a view that's you know reasonable to express but not the only view that you always want to kind of offer and so when you're able to you know discretionary move or move orders around on a, like an order book or even something like a uniswap v3 it enables you to express more sophisticated views provide tighter liquidity and so you know we we continue to be more involved in the more expressive constructions and you know i actually think uniswap v3 is quite cool alongside you know order books that have existed for a while 
when it comes to you know pricing for retail you know we've recently seen bullish you know which is the the eos driven spec they're going to put you know a few billion dollars into an amm and launch an exchange i think that's the first time we're seeing a traditional retail offering come in with with something like that and uh, you know kind of curious to see how that plays out where they're they're kind of using their balance sheet in a clever fashion to bootstrap some liquidity in a fairly simple fashion so do you see more firms doing that i see i can see firms doing that as a bootstrapping tool i don't think it's the final answer you know you're never going to have as much efficiency as being able to more flexibly price things you know if the assets are not correlated in that they're volatile relative to each other which you know bitcoin and dollar for example tend to be relative to each other uh then it's then it can be a losing proposition to only use an amm for the liquidity providers but it's a cool idea to use it for initial bootstrapping so when you think about engaging with new projects i've been talking with a bunch of different trading firms they're getting more active on the venture side you kind of have to be there to what degree do the two firms interface to sort of capture these deals because i think like a lot of what i've heard is you know these projects they want to find a vc investor that's also going to provide market making capabilities to kind of kill the two birds with one stone but you guys are kind of separate firms in a sense but how do you work together to make it conducive for the target yeah uh, we work quite closely uh with with the jump capital team and you know on the on the trading side and on the jump crypto side uh we get more involved with investments where we can add in a lot of value uh you know like i said it was it's very informed by you know our experience as operators in the market and so if we can help projects on the liquidity side or on the infrastructure side or if we can really build alongside them which is the biggest focus right if we can actually contribute core to their repositories help them with their design that's when we're getting most involved and you know we we kind of see that as a natural evolution of venture capital for everyone that's familiar with uh, you know the space as it is right now capital is kind of commodity every round with a good project is really like a knife fight uh you know for people trying to squeeze capital in and i think it's the firms that can uniquely add value to those projects that are the ones that are going to end up being the investors that that are successful you know we we never really sought out to be a venture firm it's not like the natural thing for us to do on the trading side but we found more opportunities in our niche where we can add value and so we expect to continue to be engaged there for sure how do you win the knife fight by genuinely having something to offer right <laughs> so if you're talking about like an infrastructure company for example like in our interactions with all the protocols that we're very actively involved with we're aggressively using that infrastructure we have very actionable feedback on like what they should build what they should do we have engineers that have built their own infrastructure companies uh, like the certus one guys that we acquired and we're helping them think through you know how they can build their offerings to be more robust you know when when you think about a project that has liquidity needs we're in there in the markets fighting with them every day you know when 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 you think about like a project that has you know even just growth and recruiting needs like we've thrown jumps recruiters at finding them the engineers that jump hires to help them grow projects and so i think how you win knife fights is just by you know being different and having something to offer and i think we've almost benefited from randomly stumbling onto this position of allocating capital in this space you have to also instill a degree of trust the one thing that makes me wary about a lot of the blurring of lines between investors and trading firms is that there can sometimes be conflicts between the two in your search for alpha on the one side you might be doing something not you specifically but certain firms might end up doing things that's not in the interest of their investment 
We saw it with that small firm divergence. Do you guys have any kind of parameters in place to ensure that those type of things don't don't happen? Yeah. Um, so on on the venture side, most rounds, the days you no know, way they're structured these days is you know you're locked up on the coins, so you can't really make any trading decisions on those tokens. And with a lot of ways that we help projects is by actually being involved in the markets with them by providing liquidity. So we're you know simultaneously involved in both capacities. Um, and so a Chinese wall is actually not beneficial in that sense because we're actually trying to help them there. But it like it comes down to trust, right? And and you know the jump has been in the markets for two decades, <laughs> built a reputation that is very very sensitive, and it's something that the entire leadership team and all the founders here you know constantly talk about. The year-end review number one thing says your word is your bond, and uh, and you know if you, if you lose your reputation in the space, word spreads pretty quickly. So it's a it's a losing fight. Uh, the firm also built a reputation for being quite secretive. What was behind the decision to be more public facing on the crypto side? Was it another bow in the quiver to win in these knife fights, you think? It's certainly uh, it's certainly not the tool in the quiver, but it more even meaningfully comes down to you know what we thought the right way to do business was. When you're trading and you know, especially in a in a proprietary fashion, there isn't really much benefit to do anything but put your heads down and get to work. When you're in crypto and you're a partner to community projects and you know they're counting for your opinions on the governance forum. They're counting for your opinion and support when they're trying to differentiate. And you know when I can, you know, when I have the opportunity to call up one of these projects when I'm on the scoop with you, you know that that's valuable. And so it's just about you know what the right way to do business is. And with crypto, it made sense to be a little bit more outspoken. One thing that I'm have a burning curiosity about because I've fallen down this rabbit hole myself this past week, fallen into the metaverse rabbit hole. Are you guys buying up parcels yet? Are you playing in that that zone? <laughs> so, Frank, I put out a tweet, I think, two weeks ago saying uh, our new hire class uh, of Quants, the Jump's recruiting team has spent like two years trying to recruit from all the top universities. They did like a Solana boot camp at the Chicago Hacker House that they have here. And one of the ongoing projects after the conclusion of that boot camp was the interns wanted to build like a, a parcels type project on Solana. And so they, they, you know, they're kind of like building that up right now, and they're going to release it in the wild. We have made some NFT acquisitions. It's not something that we've been super aggressive on. It's not something that we've really figured out exactly what edge we have in just yet. But you know, very open-minded to it because it's different. It's not the same as tokens. Like you have to kind of have a different mind mind frame for it. I was talking to one trading firm that was thinking about hiring an NFT analyst, but it's a hard position to hire for. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, NFTs by definition are not liquid. <laughs> They're not fungible. And so, you know, jump strength comes in building predictive models using machine learning and lots of data to predict prices uh, with some probability. And there's no time series. There is no fungibility. There's no markets. And so it's a completely different proposition, which is not to say that there is an opportunity, but it doesn't play exactly natively to where we're at, but something that we're thinking about. There's a possibility that there's going to be sort of this financialization on top of the gaming NFT world. We reported, I think we were first to report, it was on a previous episode of The Scoop, that Axie was launching a DEX, a decentralized exchange. Could Jump end up there? Very well could, Frank. Very well could. Um, you know, there is, as these things start getting more liquid, as there's more kind of homogenous groups of NFTs, especially on something like Axie, where you're creating all these resources, 
And if there's a lot of demand for trading those and pricing those, there's no reason that, you know, those resources as an asset class couldn't evolve to be like any other tokens that we or financial products that we trade. That'll be a wild day. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. The scope of what the crypto business could be is kind of beyond just these these tokens tied to mostly financial use cases and also outside of trading. I think you guys are looking at different healthcare use cases, blockchain use cases and others. Maybe you can touch on some of those that you were looking at. Yeah, uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The, the possibilities for the space are just far greater than DeFi and the financial stuff. You know, one bet that we're like super excited about right now is in the healthcare space is uh, the Oasis network. You know, they're allowing for privacy preserving computation on encrypted data that, you know, enables people to break all these data silos that live on individual hospital systems and then combine them so that universities and research institutions can like investigate things like sociological factors in health and, you know, just do operations on much larger data sets while keeping incentives aligned and not having to have people trust each other, you know, outside of the incentives. And like that trust between mutually distrusting people, I think has always been the most exciting thing about crypto. And as it expands to healthcare, you know, that's something that we're very excited about. And that, I think that that concept of trust is, is, is going to continue to develop into new, more interesting concepts that we're going to keep exploring and seeing how we can get involved with. Bank is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto, loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send or spend them using Back. Get started today and get it together with Back. Sign up at backbakkt.com. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. I also want to give a special thanks to Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. Sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. Maybe the best part is Exodus is integrated with the Trezor hardware wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at exodus.com today. One other project, and you mentioned it earlier in the show, I have to ask about it. I don't want the chain link people to uh, <laughs> come after me, but Pith, Pyth, however you want to say it, we've had this debate before. There's been a number of different technical issues. There was the one Bitcoin flash crash where we saw Bitcoin created a 5K on the network's data feed. How do we overcome some of these issues? And what might you say to skeptics who say that the stuff happening with Pith is the same as what we're seeing on like Binance US on centralized feeds. Uh, our centralized feeds are rather our decentralized feeds any better than the centralized ones. 
yeah, in, in the long run, you know, our, our view is that they are. And that's, you know, deeply informed our participation in PIT. What it's building is has been very different. It's an ambitious project. And, you know, issues are never great, Frank. You know, you always look back and, you know, hope to see that people avoid them. It's definitely still very early days for PIT. It's been, you know, a, a young project. And the issues that we've seen have, like, engendered a quite amazing response from the data provider community, which has some of the best quant and ex exchange firms out there that have added all kinds of ideas to help improve the stability and security of the network. You know, there's a continuous addition of more data onto the network. And so what that enables you so to- So is an issue, is it simply an issue of not having enough providers contributing? There was also issues with, with reporting on Doge. I think it went to something like $7.25 per coin. Yeah, so yeah, the, the definitely one issue of not enough data providers online for a couple of the products. And you know those disclaimers were available on the PITH website. That has now been addressed. You can go and see you know, the list of data providers on each of those feeds. Uh, and more and more are coming on every day. And you know what that enables you to do is to prevent things like the Binance US flash crash affecting the price that data providers are using. You know, Binance US is, you know, for example, just be one node in the price feed amongst all the other participants that are aggregating prices across the world. And, you know, the PIT network also gives you insight into the disposition of that pricing across the globe, which lets you do more creative things like, you know, widen out your pricing on an options protocol when markets are getting crazy or, you know, be more intelligent in a future settlement. And so there's definitely a component of onboarding more data, which is on there. And then there's a component of, you know, ironing out extreme edge case bugs, you know, early technology products do run into these issues from time to time. We feel very confident that PIT is very strongly iterating towards its, its, its product, its, its, you know, its vision of bringing the highest quality data to the chain. And the entire data provider community feels that way. And, you know, everyone around the PIT community has been very strong on that. So when are you guys going to get Citadel securities to start contributing their data? That'll be, when you do that, then I'll, I'll, uh, then you're a bull. <laughs> that'll be, then I'll be a pith bull. That would be wild. It's something that we talked about on Twitter. You know, they've come out and they've said that they're not comfortable trading in this market. Citadel Securities, to be sure, the company affiliated with the hedge fund, but they're not a hedge fund. Is, is regulation something that keeps you guys from doing something or is it kind of open, open field to, to play around with, with mostly anything that's out there in crypto land? Oh, yeah. Regulation is a huge part of, of what we think about almost every day. You know, we've got like a big, obviously very sizable legal and compliance team at Jump that's constantly monitoring all the guidance that's coming out, that's constantly looking at all our activities, monitoring it, and uh, we stay very responsive to things that are going on. Every firm is kind of making its own decisions. Uh, you know, the large majority of all our competitors are now in the space in various capacities. You've had them on your podcast. You know, GTS was on recently. Uh, you've seen Word2 coming out, a number of others. And so... You know, it's, it's a risk decision that, uh, I mean, it's a legal decision that we've gotten comfortable with, um, but it's something that we're constantly monitoring. What do you think is the most overhyped thing in the market right now? Definitely, you know, feel a little bit worried about kind of the flood of NFTs that have come out. Very, very optimistic on the concept of NFTs as a whole. You know, they're very exciting, but there's a lot of very money grabby things that have come out with people minting thousands and hundreds of thousands of these that folks are just kind of scooping up and um, probably see some correction on the lower quality end of that. So should I not buy land? 
<laughs> I've been thinking about buying land on one of these. There's the prices are down today. The floors are are lower on a lot of these platforms, so it could be a could be a buying <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm gonna have to go back and look at some land. Then. Not not FA. Someone said that to me in DM yesterday. Not FA. I was like, what? <laughs> Financial <laughs> advice, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you think about how much it is right now. Some of these parcels, it's like some of them are going for 50,000, 100,000. But I was in, I went to one of the metaverses and there was this like Doge temple and it was pretty cool. I was like, I would pay some amount of money for this, like not a hundred ETH, but certainly, you know, maybe one ETH or, <laughs> or three, I don't know. And I was talking to someone the other day and it's like all of these things that you know, we own that are expensive are kind of worthless anyway. Like, like you think of things like a gold chain or it's kind of just a flex too. Like, isn't a Doge temple cooler than a Rolex possibly? Yeah. Although I will, um, before the watch enthusiast um, jumped down my throat, I mean, there is something pretty incredible about the, the design and the architecture inside a Swiss watch. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal piece of art and machinery, but there's a lot of cool architecture work that goes into building. I'm kind of just pontificating ad nauseum at this point, but I don't know. I've been I've been down the rabbit hole, as I said, so I've just yeah. been thinking about it a lot. I paid money for ifs, you know. I think I, they're just JPEGs, but like you know, I want to own it. So there's there's yeah. be that that piece. Um, optimistic on NFTs overall. Just feel like there's a there's maybe a bit of forward excitement on certain sectors of it, but. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels frothy to a degree, but I was talking to some trading firms, seeing if they've been buying any land and none have done so through their through the funds or through the firm, but through uh, personal accounts. Right. But that'll be that'll be an interesting day when you have like market making of of the digital land. of digital land. So for folks who maybe, you know, aren't familiar with the firm can you walk us through like the scope of the crypto business? How many people are working for the unit and are there specific divisions or is everyone doing something different? What is it? What does it look like structurally? Yeah, uh, we're over a hundred people on the crypto effort now, Frank, just growing very quickly, about 40 this time last year, 20 the year before that. And so, and still, you know, just really feel resource constrained on given the opportunity set that we see in crypto. You know, definitely a big uh, market making and prop trading division, very akin to Jump's traditional business. You know, we've got an o OTC business where we're pricing continuously to some other large firms. We've got almost, I think, the lion's share now that are focused on building a lot of projects, you know, helping build a lot of projects like Pith, like Wormhole, like contributing to, you know, stuff on Solana, like running infrastructure. And, you know, of the 100 people, uh, you know, I'd say 80% plus are just all quants developers and, and, and traders. And then, you know, kind of a more growing cohort of marketing, sales, business development, that kind of thing. You should think about launching a podcast. It could be fun. <laughs> yeah, at some everybody's, point. Everybody's got a podcast these days. I've <laughs> noticed that, like, different trading firms are kind of ramping up their, their marketing spend. A few of them have started sending out like daily market updates, kind of giving a sense of what the market looks like 
you have Genesis doing, you know, they've always done these quarterly reports, or at least have been doing them for a while. Do you see Jump making a push into that type of content? We're offering content where we feel like we have something to offer. You know, we don't really have a product that we're trying to sell to anyone. So that general kind of like more research function is not uh, something that we're like spitting out just yet. But, you know, a part of this Jump Crypto brand is to offer our thoughts, is to offer, you know, some insight where we feel like there is an opportunity. Uh, so, you know, we, we put a blog post out on, uh, you know, aspects of Solana consensus that we thought people would be interested in, like understanding about. Uh, we put a blog post out outlining Jump's business in the introducing Jump crypto blog post. You know, I'm trying to tweet a lot more and, you know, just be more engaged with that side of the community, though. Definitely not quite as prolific as you are, but um, there's uh... <laughs> much to the dismay of the people around me. <laughs> I think I spend more time on Twitter than I than I sleep. If, if you were to add up the hours. I believe that, yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. It just sucks me in. But it's also fun. I mean, like, they're just... I think I <laughs> I might know more um, Anons than I do regular <laughs> regular human beings. So what's, uh, let's maybe talk about some, like, stuff going on in the market, some news. We've had the first futures-based Bitcoin ETF. So obviously that's been trading like crazy. I think they had a billion, almost a billion dollars or around a billion dollars within the first trading session. Are you guys trading derivatives on the crypto side? And were you operating in that launch? And what, what does it look like on the ground floor? Yeah, we're, we, you know, we're very involved, all crypto derivatives, uh, both, you know, on the international venues on you know, on the CME and you know, as the ETFs come out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we do have an ETF. Uh, out there definitely hopeful that we'll have a spot etf uh you know would be a product that you know would be set up for detail to track a little bit more strongly uh but you know i'm glad that the folks that were that were able to put this together have got this one passed and so yeah the the futures etf is kind of an interesting product given you know all the market structure where you know you have to kind of roll between all those products you hold a, a portion of the fund in the t-bills and um it's it, yeah it's you know it, interesting to kind of think about how that shapes up relative to other structured products and instruments that have come out recently. Is there an opportunity there to capture some sort of arbitrage? Is there a trade there? Uh, well, you know, with any ETF, like the way, you know, you, you, you kind of come in with the underlying components that, you know, the issuer says the ETF comprises of. And then you turn that in and you get an ETF and then you turn an ETF in and you get the underlying components. And as far as there is a mispricing between, you know, those two pieces, there is an opportunity. The the access that the ETF offers to more traditional and regulated participants is very interesting. And yeah, I guess I'm just very hopeful that a spot ETF should be approved, you know, soon so that it's a it's a cleaner product for people. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there's this potential that we might run out of futures for the ETF to hold. Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of position limits at the CME. Um mm -hmm. We're seeing a number of those get, you know, a number of different ETFs get approved, which should help, you know, people kind of at least build up different position limits as independent owners of risk. But yeah, there's, there's definitely a few kind of market structure extremities to be watchful for with this one. So walk me through how you were picked up for this role. I mean, how do you go from intern to, to president? How does that work? Yeah. Um, so, so Jump has is, is always been like one of like the very early adopters of new technology and new changes as it moves, right? Was one of the first participants that transitioned into electronic trading. Was one of the first that moved into more alpha-based research-driven trading. And every time like you see one of those like big fundamental shifts, kind of have to like natively adopt your identity to 
be a firm that you know plays at that level very natively. And so, you know, as, as someone that had been involved in crypto since the very early stages of the effort and kind of deeply understands the company, the viewpoint that that I'm able to bring is someone that can translate the strengths of the firm into a very crypto native ethos or vision. Um, my role is just to uh, you know kind of clear the underbrush and clear the way for all the extremely smart people around me to do a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, definitely feel very fortunate and, you know, grateful for like the support that the team and all the leadership at Jump have offered leading up to this thing. So, so how did they, who sat you down? So did they, how did they present the opportunity? What, what did it look like? Yeah. You know, the way, the way things work at Jump is you naturally assume positions and then you're kind of handed the role after. And so and then you're told afterwards, you, you're like, oh, I've been doing this. And they're like, yeah, you're president. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so that's that's kind of that's kind of exactly how it went down. Um, really, what have been the biggest challenges since you? I mean, it's kind of like it was just made official. That's what it sounds like. But even before you got the official title, what have been some of the challenges of shepherding this unit? It's it's a big cultural shift. Uh, you know, for us to be involved like this in a more external facing capacity, in a more builder capacity. You know, I wouldn't say it's been like an extreme uphill battle. The strength that, you know, I think the firm has consistently is in recognizing and making bets on asymmetric upside and then like throwing the kitchen sink at things that are working, right? So you just got to build things that work, got to show some, you know, stuff that's going on. And then the firm kind of naturally starts pushing its weight behind you and helping you kind of, you know, steer the ship in that direction. So, yeah, if, if anything, it's just, you know, the, the early efforts of showing the results and downloading the mental models. But apart from that, the team has just been incredibly supportive. And like you said, it's just a new title, but kind of most things staying the same for the rest of for them. How do you how do you stay calm? I mean, obviously like stressful stuff happens. I'm sure Pith issues have been stressful. How do you how do you uh keep keep your cool? Yeah, uh, you know, five years in crypto kind of desensitizes you <laughs> to all to basically all kinds of stress. Um price movements started stop affecting a while ago. Uh, you know, certain issues and, and stresses, of course, you know, impact you, but you I try to meditate a fair bit, uh, you know, when I can, and that and that that definitely helps. But apart from that, you know, I've got a re really energetic team. Everyone comes in; it's just in super problem-solving mode. And so, when when you're just surrounded by people like that, you know, the, the stress just turns into a positive force to make things happen. So it's been good. You have to try to capture some of that. Um, I've been getting better, I think. One, whenever people say I come off really calm and relaxed, uh, I always am shocked because I just, it's just a lot of screaming happening internally. <laughs> um, you're in Portugal, right? I'm going to be in Portugal next you're week. You're going yeah. to be in Portugal next week. What's going on there? Solana conference, man. I thought there was a conference happening right now. Is everyone there right yeah. now for that? Yeah, I think there's an ETH conference right now. There's going to be a Solana conference in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Portugal's where it's all going on, apparently. Do you have a bull thesis for Solana? What are we at? What's the latest on them? I think they crossed 200 bucks this morning. Um, 199 right now. Okay, there we go. Went over 214. 214's the high. It's really interesting. What do you think about like the differences between Solana, Ethereum use cases in the future? Yeah, uh, you know, we're like definitely believers in a multi-chain future. Uh, that's like a pretty non-controversial opinion at this point. Uh, you know, all the things that we hope are going to happen over open compute like do, no one platform is ever going to have enough bandwidth to scale, even if it's built really, you know, to scale and, and, and built well. Solana is particularly very exciting because Anatoly with the, the VDFs as a global clock unlocked a new design that inherently enabled the system to be a lot more scalable 
and for it to really become a big execution layer where a lot of computations in that open kind of you know open in that open compute model were going on um and you know if we believe that this big shard of open execution is important and is going to have a whole bunch of fun things going on then you got to believe that solana is exciting so you know we've been great you know very big fans and very involved with solana for you know a couple of years now and you know we continue to be very optimistic on it for sure how much solana does jump have exposure to what's the dollar amount is it is it blink twice if it's over a billion well uh no no comments on that one no comment on that one you know that's that's fair it was great chatting can you let our listeners know where they can find you on the bird website yeah on the bird website i'm at korea conov you know you'll just you'll see the we'll, we'll spell that out for them and the, and the show and the show yeah. you'll 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 get that spelling yeah and if you're a young hungry crypto excited person that wants to work at jump with other very smart people on all kinds of things then reach out how many folks are you trying to hire you've got 100 could it go to 150 200 it certainly could frank you know we we, we don't have like a headcount driven hiring policy for sure you know that kind of thing always perplexes me a little bit yeah We're just opportunistically hiring all the time you know if you see really smart people we bring them in if we have a need for a particular you know function as we we, we grow our projects like you know we're, we're always hiring people but Right now in crypto, we just feel opportunity constrained. I mean, resource constrained given the opportunity set. And so I think there's there's, there's room for some number of smart people to come join there's us. There's room for fresh blood. Well, Conor, thanks for coming on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Scoop will be back with you again with another great guest. Have a great day.